Welcome to Howden's podcast, Fortune Favors the Brave. We all take risks in our everyday life and business is no different. In this podcast, we're speaking to the experts about a topical challenge or issue and what business leaders can do to overcome it. Welcome to Howden's podcast, Fortune Favors the Brave. This is the third episode in a podcast series we are producing in relation to the Building Safety Act. I'm joined again today by Ian Quayle. Hi, Jenny. Who's very well known um, in the conveyancing world for the excellent training and seminars that he delivers on conveyancing to the legal profession. Ian is also very well informed when it comes to issues relating to the Building Safety Act. Uh, And as we know, this is a piece of legislation that is proving to be rather difficult to navigate. In the first episode of this series, we focused on the steps solicitors and conveyancers should take when they're first instructed in a matter. We also looked at the vexed issue of height and the use of disclaimers in your retainer letters. In the second episode, we focused on the EWS1, the Landlord Certificate and Leaseholder Deed of Certificate. In this final episode, we're going to turn our attention to lenders and the part that they're playing um, in this issue. So, Ian, welcome once again. And I want to wind the clock back, um, if we can, to a few months ago when there was quite a lot in the legal press um, about issues in relation to some lenders insisting that lawyers acting for purchases certify, for example, the contents of the leaseholder deed of certificate. Yes, yeah. And um, there was quite a lot of pushback on that at the time. So I'm wondering if you can tell us a bit more about that and tell us what's happening actually at the moment. Yeah, happy to to do that, Jenny. As far as lenders are concerned, lenders have sort of been intimating to government that they're happy to lend and they're open to the market in connection with high-rise flats and departments. And the Building Safety Act is, to an extent, aimed at sort of protecting the borrower, protecting the leaseholder, but also indirectly protecting lenders too. But you're quite right that what we saw late last year and this year are lenders sort of imposing what I would class as quite unreasonable burdens on their lawyers, asking them, A, to verify the height of a building so that we can get into relevant building, higher risk building territory. Also asking to verify the content of a leaseholder deed of certificate or the content of a landlord certificate. And as I think we discussed in podcast two from memory, there are inherent difficulties in doing that. I would say a landlord certificate, impossible to verify any of the content that a landlord produces in that certificate. Leaseholder deed of certificate, some information that you can verify that the lease was granted before the 14th of February 2022, that the lease is a residential long lease, that the lease includes an obligation on the leaseholder to pay service charge. I think that's fairly easy to do, just look at the lease. But the ownership occupation point uh, as of the 14th of February 2022, like we said in connection with the buyer, is problematical for the lender too, on the basis that that information is key as to determine whether the lease is a qualifying lease and thus provides protection. So that was the starting point. We had lenders who were being really quite aggressive in connection with their instructions to lawyers saying, we want you to verify all of this information. 
They were also insisting that leaseholder deeds of certificate were served on landlords and to provide evidence in that connection, and also insisting that landlords were producing landlord certificates. And again, Jenny, I think we discussed in podcast two, there are problems with regard to that. You can't compel a landlord to produce a landlord certificate, nor should you be asking the seller to serve a leaseholder deed of certificate on the landlord. So, to this day, Jenny, I still think some lenders don't get the danger in asking for a landlord certificate and the danger in asking a seller to serve a leaseholder deed of certificate on the landlord. Both of those steps potentially put the buyer and indeed the lender at a disadvantage as the transaction progresses. So that's the sort of history. As to the current position, Jenny, can I tell you that the Department of Leveling Up are telling me that they are asking conveyances and solicitors to report to them if they're dealing with lenders that are being difficult with regard to their instructions, dealing with those issues and other issues. So the Department of Leveling Up is being quite cooperative and saying to lawyers, tell us about lenders who are being obstructive. And I know that the Department of Leveling Up is communicating with lenders to say, you've got to relax your instructions. As to the extent of that relaxation, I can't give you sort of an up-to-date position. All I can tell you is that government is saying to me that they are being uh, encouraged by what lenders are saying. And also when I talk to conveyances, I'm not getting quite the same um, annoyance, quite the same negativity with conveyances uh, and their lenders. However, I'm still getting not necessarily a need to verify the content of documents, but the existence of documents, which turns back on the problem that we discussed in podcast two. Okay, so obviously it's really important that when you're dealing with a transaction, you've got this issue at the at the front of mind. And, and if you are being asked to um, certify documentation or the content of documentation, mm. you really do need to still push back on that if it, if it creeps in. Yeah, great point, Jenny. When you get your lender's instructions, check and see what, their sta- what the status is with regard to the BSA. You've got your part one and part two instructions. In addition to that, again, a point that I didn't make earlier, I think it's important that you also check your instructions before you exchange because some lenders' instructions are in a state of flux and we could have a situation where we have initial instructions that then change. I forget the data, but someone told me that some lenders are altering their instructions sort of hundreds of times a year. Frequently, the instructions are of no real consequence, but with regard to the BSA, they could be of consequence. So if we are seeing a lender being pressurised by government to vary instruction, it might be that we got instructions from Halifax Building Society in March and here we are now just pushing through a transaction, it may well be that the Halifax instructions have altered radically. And when you look at the instructions today, there might be different requirements, lesser requirements than there was when the initial instructions were sent out back in March. Okay. So from your experience, Mm. do you think that lenders are really still feeling their way in terms of the detail and content of the Building Safety Act? Without a doubt. Uh, One of the things that... Uh, I notice is lenders do not understand paragraph 13 of Schedule 8 and the legal presumption that a lease is a qualifying lease provided it's a long lease, provided there's an obligation to pay service charge, provided it was granted before the 14th of uh, February 2022, and provided the landlord does not have a leaseholder deed of certificate, nor has he asked for it. And when I talk about asking for it, 
asking for it and there are prescribed steps as defined in the Act and a landlord is also required to take reasonable steps to obtain a, a leaseholder deed of certificate. If the landlord doesn't do that, then we've got a qualifying lease that benefits the lender. But the problem I've got is getting the message out to lenders about paragraph 13. I hope the message has been received and understood by conveyances, but they're now encountering a problem in getting that message to lenders. Right, so some more work to do there. I think there is, yeah. Yes, yeah. And we've talked before about um, disclaimers and your yeah. engagement with your client, but obviously we can't go down that track when it comes to lenders. We're stuck, aren't we? Because the Law Society uh, agree uh, instructions from institutional lenders and therefore, you know, that, that ship has sailed, unfortunately. Um I'm hopeful that the Law Society will be aware of this. Uh, I don't know if I've told you, Jenny, but the Law Society is issuing guidance, hopefully early in the new year, uh, on the BSA. So there might be some issues that are clarified when that guidance comes out. But certainly professional bodies should be talking to lenders and should be asking them to relax their instructions in connection with BSA-related issues. Are you seeing instances where lenders are refusing applications because they're concerned about the EWS1 or building safety? Yes, issues. I am. Not not in vast numbers, but I think the problem there, Jenny, is we've got a false market at the moment in that we've got firms that are just saying we're not taking this work on. And therefore, you know, if, we, if we're taking a sort of a poll of transactional work, there's not an awful lot of transactional work taking place that's BSA related. I think there was a, a study recently, I forget which magazine it was in, but 50% of firms were saying they weren't touching BSA related work. And certainly on my speaking at conferences and on the circuit, when people, delegates are being asked about it, I, again, I would say 50% still are saying we're not touching this. So, therefore, I think that the feedback I'm getting from conveyances, I'm not entirely comfortable, is a fair assessment of what of where we should be, because there only there's only a, say half actually doing this work now. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. So, so is what you're saying that some of the transactions actually are not taking place because yeah, yeah, it was two things there, Jenny. One, there's some firms that took on work. Last year, for example, not realising how much of an issue the BSA was, and those transactions have stalled, and I'm now seeing firms that are saying, well, we're getting in the net from the client because the transaction's stalling, so we're going to have to get on with it. Like we discussed in podcast one, the pressure on conveyances to proceed with transactions, notwithstanding all the risks. So we, we're seeing that, and we're also seeing a situation where um, firms are now saying, well, we've got to do this work and therefore they're taking it on when they really don't want to. So it is there is a logjam with regard to leasehold work, there's no doubt about it. Whether that logjam is, is easing or not, I don't know. Certainly, looking at the firms I deal with and the firms I talk to, I think they're reluctantly taking on some work now, whereas six months ago they wouldn't be. Mm -hmm. So going back to talk about the, the lenders for a moment, are yeah. they tolerating scenarios where there's still recladding work to be done? Well, that's a valuation or surveying issue. So, uh, A, I wouldn't know whether they're tolerating it or not. Um, I'm not getting a lot of people saying lenders are refusing to proceed or uh, withdrawing offers on the basis of remediation or cladding work. I'm not seeing a lot of that. Um 
uh, again, what I would say is I think lenders are reliant on the conveyancer and the conveyancer's indemnity policy with regard to that risk of vulnerability. I don't see lenders saying to their surveyors or valuers, we really want you to delve deeply into remediation work or fire safety or building safety risks. I'm not seeing that at all. In December 2022, the RICS gave instructions to surveyors and valuers about the BSA. And one of the things they were saying in that is be careful about what advice or assistance you're giving lay clients or lenders in connection with the BSA because it's so complex. Mm -hmm. So the RICS have been pretty quick off the mark protecting their profession. And therefore, again, I think, you know, are we sort of the, the fallback or the four guys potentially relating to the BSA as a result. Perhaps we are. Mm. If we can talk about that for mm. a moment mm. in relation to lender instructions. And in one of the earlier podcasts, we looked at a scenario where uh, perhaps you had a, an EWS one yeah. being signed off, but you were concerned about it yeah. because you perhaps were instructed um, in relation to a um, building that was, you know, constructed by the same developer, yes. same sort of cladding yeah, and that. that didn't have an EWS1. Yeah. Can we talk about your obligations to the lender yes. when you've got that scenario? Yeah. Well, again, in a situation such as that, the lender is a client just as much as the lay client is, and you would owe an obligation to the lender to raise a suspicion, but then say to the lender, look, this is a matter that your surveyor or valuer should be looking at. You know, as a conveyancer, I'm looking at title, I'm looking at due diligence, I'm not looking at survey or valuation issues. Mm -hmm. And of course, if you don't do that and there is a problem, that's where the potential for a professional negligence claim could oh, arise. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, you'll know this well, Jenny, that, that, you know, the situation with lenders is if there's a fall in the market and they start, or there's a decline in, in the market and the repossessions and re lenders are taking hits, lenders will have a look at who they can point the finger at and recover loss from. And that's when these sort of sorry tales come out of the woodwork, don't they? Yes, absolutely. You've got to make sure that your file is just, you know, absolutely, absolutely clean yeah. and, and you've given, you know, the advice and the warnings that, that you need to. Yeah, yeah. So it seems to me then that there's, there's obviously quite a tension for conveyances on this issue because, you know, on, on the one hand, you've got this purchaser who's desperately wanting to proceed with the purchase of um, this property. And then you, you know, have to deal with all of these BSA um, yeah. issues and, and you may need to raise things with the lender, Yes, um, you know, that actually results in them saying, well, they're not prepared to proceed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh Jenny, uh, tension is, is the key word here. You've got tension from an, a number of different sources, really. First of all, you've got government saying, we're not going to change the act, live with it. It's not a problem. Just get on with transactions. There isn't, there isn't an issue. You've got that. You've got lenders saying we're happy to lend and telling government we're happy to lend. You've got estate agents sort of bleating about, you know, what the, what's the problem? Just do your job. And we're stuck in the middle. So there's no doubt that there's tension. And again, we go back to what we were discussing in podcast one, the fact that conveyances have to be robust. There is a danger that, you know, your client's in tears. It's the flat of their dreams. They're dying to move in. They want to be in for Christmas or Easter or whatever. The estate saying there's not a problem 
feedback from government, although, to be fair, there isn't much feedback to the general population about the act, but that sort of in, in the mist saying, you know, there isn't a problem here. It's so difficult. And again, at the end of the line, you've got to say to yourself, this is a complex piece of legislation. It's a potentially dangerous piece of legislation from a claims perspective. There are steps and measures that you can take to reduce risk. There are things that you can do that enable you to act for sellers and act for buyers, but you've got to be careful. A conveyancer is, in my view, a general practitioner with regard to property-related issues. A conveyancer isn't an expert on planning or environmental issues or climate change, for example, nor are they an expert on Building Safety Act issues. They're a transactional property lawyer. Clients need to understand that. And, you know, that message isn't a new message to conveyancers. It's a message that they should be aware of. A standard leasehold transaction, the conveyancer should be telling the client, I can't give you advice about the service charge, whether the estimated service charge on a new build or three years service charge accounts on an assignment of a lease are a fair indication as to what the service charge will be. I don't know that, you know, you're committing to an unascertained or unascertainable expense. With regard to the BSA, I think the same principle applies. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of making sure that you hold the line and also making sure that, you know, you have got the relevant expertise. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair comment. Thank you, Ian. That's been hugely helpful. Really value uh, the time that you've given us in relation to all three episodes in this series. Thank you to our listeners. We really hope that you've found the series to be both informative and useful. That was the third episode in our podcast series on the Building Safety Act. We invite you to tune in to podcast one, which deals with the initial instructions and the vexed issue of building height, and podcast two, which deals with the EWS1 form, the landlord certificate and the leaseholder deed of certificate. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fortune Favours the Brave from Howden. To hear more episodes and subscribe to our channel, search Fortune Favours the Brave on your favourite podcast app.